0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad you're here today. It's good to share this time of worship to, with one another. It's good to, uh, to be with, uh, with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and share uh, our time of worshiping Christ together. We welcome you and we welcome our guests, especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God. Uh, let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets that are on each row. We'd like to ask, if you would, to take those and to fill them out uh, for us. If you would do that, we would certainly appreciate that. It's a good way to get to know you and a good way for you to get to know us. If you just uh, take that, uh, that little purple folder there and put your name and address and phone number on there, we would appreciate it. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, it comes out each Thursday morning, Uh, It's a good way to keep up with the activities of fellowship and worship and mission opportunities at Community Baptist Church. If you'd like to receive that email uh, newsletter each day, uh, please be sure to put your email address on there, and we'll get you on that list. Uh, Thank you uh, for our great fellowship meal today, our fellowship cafe this morning. Wonderful breakfast, so thank you for that. Uh, It was a a great time together and great food. Uh, Some activities that are coming up. I'd like to uh, call to your attention. Uh, we will be getting a group of folks up to go to a Sandy Patty concert. It's a Christmas concert on December the 9th, and it will be in Louisville. And uh, so it will be kind of an all-day affair, I believe. And so if you would like to go to that, uh, Sandy Patty is a remarkable singer, just a tremendous singer. Uh, some of our folks went to see her a year or two ago, and uh, and you will not be disappointed if you get to go to this. Uh, but the thing is that if you want to go to that, we need to know today. So please see Kirk Haynes. He's taking, uh, uh, taking reservations for that. So please see Kirk Haynes, and he'll reserve a ticket for you today. We're also uh, serving lunch at the Salvation Army on, in a couple of weeks on November the 29th. And so if you would like to, to volunteer to help with that, please see Christine Cornelius And we would certainly appreciate that. And also, we could use your help after worship service today to help us stack chairs. We have uh, Upward this week on uh, Tuesday and Thursday. We have practice and then uh, uh, games on Saturday. So if you could help us to stack chairs after the worship service, we would appreciate that help uh, tremendously. Let's stand now. and Let's greet each other in the name of the Lord and share the love of Christ with one another.
1: Pizza. I'm hungry. Oh, oh. No. no. I'm hungry. Can I get a slide? No. no. Hey, man. You're looking kind of
2: hungry. I have brought a so We got that for you. Thank you very much. Have a good day, man.
3: Slices left in that. What? Have you got any more slices there? Yeah, you want Yeah, I can have a slice? Thanks, bro. Thanks very
1: much.
2: join me in our responsive reading. God, whose hand moved across the face of the deep and created everything, except the gifts of our hands. Like Moses, we are amazed that what we hold in our hands is holy and acceptable in your sight. For God, you know how much we need our hands to lift us up. Hands that clap in joy, hands that tend gardens, hands that turn pages in books, hands that are rough
3: from doing justice, hands that are wrinkled after years of caring,
1: and hands that do not pull back from the bedside of pain. O
2: oh Lord, let us beware of folding our hands and doing nothing, for you have called us into community so that we may be your hands and feet in the world. Remind Remind us that no hand hand is is too small, too scarred, too too manicured, too rough,
1: too too clumsy to hand hand a gift gift to another.
2: No hand is too slow, too quick, too sure to pass your peace to a sister or brother in Christ, whose hands were wounded for our sakes. Amen.
4: Let us stand and sing hymn number 204, first, second, and last verse.
3: Jesse's a little under the weather today and asked me to do the scripture. So today is Matthew 25, 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are cursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing.
5: Can you hear me? Okay. How are you all today? Can you all guess who I am? Sue Berry. That's right, I am Sue Berry. But I don't always dress like this, okay? But I like to dress up. Do you all like to dress up and pretend you're somebody else? Okay. You pretend you're a fairy, okay? And we just had Halloween, so I'm sure you all dressed up as somebody else, right? I dress up as people in history. And today, I'm pretending that I am Dr. Mary Walker. Now, look on your face. You don't know who Mary Walker is? Anybody heard of Dr. Mary Walker? How about in the audience? Anybody heard of Dr. Mary Walker? Well, Dr. Mary Walker lived during the time of the Civil War. And she was a woman, and she wanted to be a doctor. And growing up, she grew up in Pennsylvania on a farm. And at that time, women wore great big dresses. They had hoops syndrome, okay? And you know, it's really hard to work on a farm when you were in those big dresses, okay? So her dad had them short hair dresses and they wore bloomer pants under their skirts, okay? So as she grew up, she was accustomed to wearing pants under her skirts, okay? And when she grew up, she wanted to be a doctor, but that was kind of unheard of for a woman to be a doctor then. And she was the second woman in US history to get her medical degree. And about the, t- the time that that happened, the Civil War broke out. Okay. And that was a big war in the US history. Now, do you all know what Tuesday is? What? This coming Tuesday, it's a holiday. Yes. What? Got any ideas? It's Veterans Day, okay? Veterans Day. Do what? Festival back to, back to Festival practice? That, that's really important. <laughs> yes. But it's Veterans Day, and that's a day when we honor our veterans. Now let's ask the people in the audience, are there any veterans here today? Would you raise your hand? Okay, great. We have some veterans here today. Now do you know why we have veterans? They go to war to fight for something. And throughout the U.S. history, yes? They fight the bad people that come to our country. That's true. But they fight for a lot of different reasons. And over the years, they have fought for our freedoms. Some of those freedoms are religion and speech, freedom of speech. My people, many, many years ago, my ancestors came from Ireland. And they came to you at the United States because they couldn't practice their religion like they wanted to. They had to go to church in caves because the government told them what they had to say and where they could, could go to church, and they didn't agree with it. So a lot of my family came to the United States just to do what we're doing today, Go into the church that we want and listen to the preachers that we want, like Brother Tim, okay? Now, I'm pretending to be a veteran today, so I want you all to pretend with me, okay? I made you all something. Where's Miss Allie? She will help me here. My dad was in World War II in the U.S. Army. Okay? Okay. Can you all stand up here? and Each of you stand up, and we're going to give you an Army khaki hat. Allie, if you'll help me. All right.
1: Oh, oh wow.
5: Put it on. Of you uh-huh. no. Okay. Oh, Miss Ellie, you get one. Okay. Nah. You can keep it. Yes, I made it just for you. Now, I want to tell you a little story. Um, as I said, I was a, a doctor. I pretend to be Mary Walker, who was a doctor during the Civil War. Now, the thing was, they wouldn't commission her as a soldier. She had to volunteer, but they did give her a contract to be a doctor. And but she wanted to be an officer. And they wouldn't let women do that at that time. Okay, But she tended to the soldiers on the battlefield, in the hospitals. And for Kentucky history, she actually was head of the women's military prison in Louisville. Okay, The one thing very special about Dr. Mary Walker, when she got out of the service, she wanted to be given a title of major. And they wouldn't let her do that. But instead, they gave her a very special medal, Okay, the Congressional Medal of Honor. Which is the highest medal in the United States that we give. Now, this is just a pretend one, okay? But what is, but it was similar to that, yes. But the one thing that's very special, she is the only woman to ever receive the medal. And there's been over 3,500 people receive the medal, but only one woman, okay? And she's one of eight civilians, okay? So many years later, they tried to take the medal away from her because she says no. I won't give it back because she didn't fight in combat, even though she was on the front lines of the war. So I wanted them to recognize me for the job that I did, but at the time, it was very difficult for women uh, to be recognized for things that they did beyond the normal duties. Well, I pretend to be the one that did it, okay? Now, <laughs> now I just wanted somebody to say that I did a good job, okay? Now. At this time, um, I want to tell you a little story. Several years ago, I was in uh, Rogers, Arkansas on Veterans Day. It happened to be on a Sunday, like today. And I was in charge of doing a memorial service. And I decided at the last minute I wanted to give flags to all the veterans that had served our country that was going to attend the service. So I went to Walmart that morning. And when I walked in, I asked where the flags were, the US flags. Nobody knew if they had any flags, which I thought was very sad. So I kind of wandered around the store, and I found the flags. But on my way down one of the aisles, a man was coming towards me, and he had on a shirt that had little flags on the shirt. And as I passed him, I turned around and looked back, and he turned around and looked back at me. And I went back to him, and I said, sir, are you a veteran? He said, well, yes, I am. And I said, well, thank you for your service. And he says, well, you're welcome. So after I paid for my flags and I went to the front door and was waiting for my group, this woman approached me and she says, did you thank my husband for being a veteran? And I said, yes, I did. She said, he was so surprised that someone stopped him to say thank you. She says, I just want to say thank you to you, and I said, well, I appreciated his service. That night, um, and at the service, I gave him a flag, and that night, we had a big banquet And he watched as I came in the door and came up to me and showed me a medal he had been given for his service in Vietnam. He was very proud of being a soldier of the United States. And then he did something that was kind of odd. He thanked me. And I said, for what? He said, for thanking me for my service. And I said, well, how many people stopped you that day, today, to tell you that? He said, only one. That was you. But that's all I needed. So I want you all to help me. If we could have the veterans come forward, please. Could I come to the front, please? The veterans? Oh. Please come forward. Don't be shy. I know. I want you all to help me. If you all would just stand here in front, please. I'm sorry, I didn't make enough hats for you all. <laughs> okay, now who wants to help me? Okay, okay, one, two, three. Uh-huh, just a minute. Let's see there's five. Four, five. Okay, now will you all get? Will you each give one of these individuals stand in front a flag and say thank you? Say thank you. Okay, now will everybody join with me in saying thank you? Thank you for your service to our country. Now, put your soldier hats on. We're about to wrap up here. Maybe. Do you want a flag? Okay, I want you all to line up here in front. And Miss Alley, will you help me? Okay, now since you all are not in the U.S. Army and we're just pretending today, you're in another army. Okay? We're in God's army, right? Okay? All right. We're going to give you a Christian flag. Okay? Now that means you're soldiers of God. Because you came to church today, we're going to say thank you to you as being soldiers. Okay, now when you look at at the flag, I want you to remember that the red is for Jesus being on the cross. The blue is for the waters that baptized. And white is for purity. Okay, so when you all look at this flag, you all think of being soldiers of Christ. Okay, all right. Thank you all very much. to actually be uh, inducted into the U.S. Army. It was a long time after Dr. Mary Walker.
1: Let's
4: stand and sing our offertory hymn number 555. together, please. Our gracious and loving God, we thank you for this time that we share together this morning. And God, we thank you that you're so much bigger than we are. And we thank you, God, that you have not dealt with us according to what we deserve, but that you have loved us unconditionally. Gracious God, we're reminded that you've taught us it's much more blessed to give than to receive. Give us the grace, Lord, to be cheerful givers in all that we do. Go with us now as we worship. And God, challenge us as we worship today to worship you in an even greater way. Challenge us to worship you with the way that we live our lives each and every day.
3: people said
0: Aren't you glad that God does hold us in the palm of God's hands? It brings us much comfort. Thank you, Choir, for that. Brett Blair tells about a man who had been driving all night long uh, one time, and when morning came, he still had a long way to go, so he decided he needed to stop and get a little bit of sleep. So he stopped at the next city that he came to and found a city park, pulled into a parking space so that he could get an hour or two of rest but it just so happened that he chose a quiet place on a very popular jogging route and so just as he laid back and he was starting to doze off for just a moment there was a knock at his window and he woke up and he said yes and the jogger said excuse me sir but do you have the time and so the man looked at his watch and said it's 8:15 and so the jogger thanked the man and left, and so the man settled back down again, and he he was just dozing off again when another jogger came along and knocked at the window and said, excuse me, sir, but do you have the time? And the man replied, yes, it's 8.25. And so the jogger thanked the man and left again, and well, the man could see that there were other joggers that were passing by, and he knew that it was probably just a matter of time before someone else would come up to his window and ask him for his time. And so he quickly got out a pen and paper, and he wrote on this, pen and paper, uh, wrote on this paper this note. He said, I do not know the time. And he put it in the window, and he settled back down, trying to get a little sleep. And he was just beginning to doze off, When there was another knock on the window, and he said, excuse me, sir, this helpful jogger said, just to let you know, it's 845. (laughs) You ever been in a situation like that? You know, a situation in which it seems that no matter how hard you try, you just can't win. You just can't win. Everybody has experienced that at some time or another. As a matter of fact, we even have a term for it. It's called Murphy's law. You've heard of it. If anything can go wrong, it will. And the corollary to that is if anything can't go wrong, it will anyway. Well, of course, some people have more than their share of bad luck. Uh, there was a comic strip a while back, I don't know if it's if we st- if they still have it or not, but it was called The Born Loser. You remember that comic book? The Born Loser. And that's what some people call those who seem to just have an awful lot of bad luck. Some people call them losers. And I suppose that there's no sadder label that you can attach to a person than that of loser. Maybe you think of yourself as a loser. But let me tell you that you're not. Not in the eyes of God. And we need to think very carefully before we think of anyone else as a loser. For you see, looks can be be deceiving. David Barber tells about a man who bore the label of loser. It was in a newspaper story about those who have failed in life. And the focus of the article was on an historian who had written a book about people that he called... Um, America's Born Losers. And in his research, the author came across an institution back in the 19th century called the Mercantile Agency. And, And what this agency did was to employ informants to file reports on the creditworthiness of their neighbors. And according to the author... It was kind of like a National Bureau of Standards for judging winners and losers. But there was one such report filed on a man named William Henry Brisbane. Uh, Brisbane was operating a business in Cincinnati, Ohio, in the 1940s. An informant for the Mercantile Agency reported that Brisbane had failed in every occupation he had ever tried, including farming, publishing, and even practicing medicine. And the report also predicted that he would likely fail for the rest of his life. Now, the biggest evidence for this report, for this conclusion, was the fact that this, quote, loser had inherited $100,000, which was a huge fortune in those days. That was, that was like millions and millions of dollars today. And, and apparently Brisbane had spent most of his inheritance in just a short period of time. Kind of like a lot of lottery winners that we hear about today. However, after the author poked around a little bit, he discovered that there was an entirely different story at play here. Because actually, William Henry Brisbane had been a very successful South Carolina plantation owner. But he had decided that slavery was wrong. And so he sold his plantation... And he moved north. But then he felt guilty about leaving his slaves behind. And so he used the $100,000 inheritance that he had received to buy all of his slaves back and then to set them free. So you see, the mercantile agency may have labeled Brisbane as a loser. But I kind of suspect that God labeled him as a winner. Don't you? So let's think about that story for a moment in light of today's Scripture from the Gospel of Matthew. It's a very powerful passage of Scripture. In this passage, Christ tells a story that indicates that when Christ comes to set, set up His kingdom, there will be some clear winners and losers. In fact, the winners will gain it all while the losers will Lose it all. And so let's listen to how Jesus describes those who will win and those who will lose. He said, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on his left. If you haven't figured it out by now, the sheep are the winners and the goats are the losers here. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. I told you, the winners got it all. But listen to what made up the sheep, the winners. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothing, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the winners will answer him. Actually, it says the righteous, but winners will do in this case. They said, Lord... When did we see you hungry and feed you? And when did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothing and give you clothes? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry. You didn't do anything. You didn't give me anything to eat. I was thirsty and you didn't do anything. I was a stranger. You did not invite me in. I needed clothing and you didn't do anything. I was sick and in prison and you did not do anything. And those who lost it all will also answer saying, Lord, when did we do that? When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothing or sick or in prison and did not help you? If we knew it was you, we would have done something. And he said, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And then says Jesus, the losers will go away to eternal punishment, but the winners will go to eternal life. Now, that is pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? That is a powerful passage of Scripture and one that should concern each and every one of us. So how many of you want to be losers? Let me see those hands. I didn't think so. How many of you want to be winners? Good. I'm glad to see that. (laughs) With that in mind, since we all want to be winners here, do you think that in light of this passage of Scripture, we might need to reassess Some of our priorities. So let's start right here. What does it mean to have it all? What does it mean to have it all? A yacht? A private jet? Uh, A mansion on a beach somewhere? Sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? Sounds nice. But listen to this. There was a minister named Max who works with the homeless and street people down in Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale, Florida. And Max became friends with a a guy on the streets. His name was Archie. And like a lot of people on the streets, Archie had a lot of problems with his feet and he could hardly walk. And so each day, Archie would set up shop on on a street corner in Fort Lauderdale and sell the Fort Lauderdale newspaper out on the sidewalks every every day. That was his livelihood. That's what he did. Whether he felt good or whether he felt bad, whether he was sick, whether he was tired or rain or shine, it didn't matter. Every single day, Archie was out there on the streets selling those newspapers. And he lives in a, a one-room little flop house that he rents by the day. And he depends on the sales of these newspapers to pay for the rent and a little bit of food. Well, one day Max met Archie on the street and he noticed that Archie had this excited look on his face, and he could just barely contain himself. So he told Max that he needed to come see his apartment. He had something to show it. And, and Max was a little bit hesitant to go. He he didn't like to go down in this part of town, you know. But he he knew that he needed to go to, to Archie's apartment here. So they arrived at Archie's apartment, and Archie said that each day he had been putting just a little bit of money aside. And then he threw open the door and held out his arms and said, Look, and there in that dingy, small, one-room apartment was a sofa. It was ripped and torn. The stuffing was coming out of it, but it belonged to Archie. And there was a a junky little black and white TV. No rabbit ears, but it had a bent coat hanger sticking out of the, the, the aerial part there. And there was even a recliner. And all of this belonged to Archie. It was evident that Archie had saved a long time to have anything that nice. And then Archie looked at Max and he said, I have everything I need now. I have everything I need now. Can you imagine that? But suddenly Max noticed that stretched out in the recliner, there's this big old guy. This big old man was just kind of stretched out there on that recliner. He was a friend of Archie's that Max recognized as another street person. Archie hadn't mentioned him, but as big as he was, he was kind of hard to miss. And so Max asked Archie, what's he doing here? And here's what Archie said. He said he needs a place to stay. And now that I have all that I need, don't you think I ought to share? Let me ask you something. Do you have everything you need? Do you have everything that you need? Now, I didn't say everything that you want. Now, that mansion on the beach sounds pretty good to me. Do you have everything you need? Then, folks, you have it all. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you have all that you need, then there is no way in this world that you could ever be called a loser. At least, at least you can't if you're as smart as Archie was. When asked about that big old homeless man in his recliner, Archie responded, he needs a place to stay. And now that I have all that I need, don't you think I ought to share? I'm tempted just to leave you with that question just kind of hanging in the air. Now that I have all that I need, don't you think I ought to share it? that's about as haunting a question as you or I are likely to hear. And I said that we might want to to rethink some of our priorities here, some of our values in light of our scripture passage. So let me tell you one more story about winning and losing. This is a story told by Jim Roberts, who is a family therapist in Kansas City, Missouri. And it seems that he was visiting, visiting the fourth grade class of his son, Daniel, one day. And the teacher had organized a balloon stomp. You're familiar with this, aren't you? The balloon stomp, you, you know what I'm talking about here? You've probably done this when you, when you were young, at some point in your life. And here's, here's the way it works. Each child has a balloon tied to his or her leg. And the object is to obliterate everybody else's balloon while at the same time uh, protecting your own balloon and not letting anything happen, happen to your balloon. It's one of those every man for himself and everyone against everybody else type of games. And as soon as, everybody, as, soon as somebody stomps and bursts your balloon, you're out of the game. And the child who still has a plump, glistening balloon at the end of the game, when everybody else's is gone, that's the winner. You know the game. You, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? So the teacher gave the signal, and the children ferocious, ferociously began to attack each other's balloons. And meanwhile, trying to protect their own balloons, they're stomping here and they're raising their leg over on this side. They're trying to protect it against the onslaught of others. And predictably, in just a few seconds, all the balloons were burst except for one the winner, right? Ah, but then something remarkable happened. You see, another class was brought in, a group of children whom we term mentally and developmentally challenged. And they were assigned the same game, the balloon pop game. And balloons were tied to their legs, and they were briefed on the rules of play. And Robert said, I got this sinking feeling in my stomach. I wanted to spare these kids the pressure of such a competitive brawl. But he really didn't need to worry. You see, at first these kids had no clue what this was all about. But then after a few moments of confusion, they finally got the idea um, that, that the balloons were supposed to be stomped. At least a couple of them got that idea. They're supposed to be stomped. And gradually it caught on. But as the game got underway, it was clear that these kids had missed the spirit of it. You see, they, they they didn't seem to mind that their balloons were stomped and popped. They didn't mind that. In fact, one little girl carefully held her own balloon in place while another little boy popped. It. And then he did the same for her. And when all the balloons were gone, the entire class cheered in unison. Now think about what happened in that misunderstood game. In the original game, only one child could win. But in their version as we like to say in upward basketball and cheerleading. Everyone won. In the regular game, the participants are momentarily alienated from one another. It's you against me. But the way these kids played the game, it was an opportunity for camaraderie. Just to have fun. which game do you think Jesus likes the most? Now, if you're sitting there thinking to yourself that this more cooperative approach to the game is somehow (laughs) un-American, then you need to know that business guru Edward Deming, who is the father of the total quality movement, which emphasizes the benefits of collaboration, he used a a similar story in, in one of his books to which he added this question. And this is about competition, business competition that he's writing here. And he adds this question Why does somebody always have to lose? And you know, that's a good question. That's a good question. And maybe we can learn something from these mentally and developmentally challenged boys and girls. I hope we can. Because there will come a time when Christ will reign over all and He has already made it very clear that when that day comes, everything as we know it will be turned on its head. And those who think they are winners will suddenly find out that they are in fact losers. And those people who we often label as losers they're going to be at the front of the pack. And the reason why is because the winners already understand that God's plan for the world is this. It's something that you learned in Sunday school a long time ago, and here it is. We are to be loving and sharing, and we are to look out for the weak, And the less fortunate. When the son of man comes in his glory. And all the angels with him said Jesus. He will sit on his glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep. The winners on his right. And the goats, the losers, on his left. So you see, those who we believe are winners. And those who we believe are losers say a lot about where we're going to stand on the day of judgment. So my challenge to you today. No. Jesus' challenge to you today is this. Let's be a winner. Let's make sure that our priorities are right. Let's make sure that we're going to be in that group that Jesus says, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you took care of me. And we'll say, Jesus, when did we do that? I don't remember that. And he'll say, you remember that homeless guy that you gave that piece of pizza to? That was me. You remember that guy that you put up in the hotel because he didn't have any place to stay? That was me. You remember those clothes that you collected for the people on the streets? When it was wintertime and they were getting cold, that was me. You remember that person that you provided shelter for? You remember that sick person that you visited in the hospital? Do you remember that person that you went to the prison and prayed with? That was me. That's our priorities. That's who we are to be as followers of Jesus. And if we do that, we will be winners in the eyes of God. Amen. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, Now I Belong to Jesus. And I hope that this... I hope you can... Sing this as a prayer of truth that you really do belong to Jesus. That you really are a follower of Jesus. And what this means is that your priorities are not out of whack. And that the thing, the people that we think are winners are, some of them are not. And some of the people that we think of as losers some of them are not. Most of them are not. Because Jesus loves every one of us. And Jesus wants us to be faithful, to follow Him. So I hope we can truly say today, Now, I belong to Jesus. The Lordship of the Christ, our Lord and Savior. Go forth assured of God's love for each and every one of us. Supremely revealed in the life and death of God's Son, Jesus. Go forth and share the love of Christ in your home, in your work, in play, and on the streets. And go forth knowing that God, who is love goes with you. Amen.